What is your objective? My objective? Well, my objective taking a girl out, you know, and buying her dinner, and then she won't put out for you. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Come on, come on, just do it. No, dude, it's creepy. No, it's fun. How come I always have to play that part? Just this one last time. All right, fine, fine. Are you ready? Hello, Pete Mitchell. I heard the best of the best are going to be back here, so, uh... This could be complicated. You know, on the first one, I crashed and burned. And the second? I don't know, but it's looking good so far. All right, all right. What is going on in here? Who are you? I'm Commander Jeff Johnston, the public works officer at the U.S. Naval Base Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Jeff? I, I thought you were stuck in Cuba. Gentlemen... I go wherever the American way of life is threatened. And watching you two doughy buffoons stumble through that scene shakes this country to its very core. Um, so you want to do it again? Yeah, why not? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, we discuss the Red Scare movies of the 80s. With me, as always, he's the commissar of the populist collective of musical culture, Mr. Sean Daly. Dosvidaniya, Spierski. How you doing? Sweating like a pig. You are. You are very, very uh, wet. Moist. Especially after that intro we recorded. I know. Sorry. I know there's a couple awkward Give moments there. Give me a little there. sugar. Give me a little sugar. Just a pinch. Why do I feel like the miracle worker up here? Hot. Hot. But we're not alone today because we could never handle a topic this wide without some expert help. So with us, Jeff in Cuba. Not in Cuba, actually. From Cuba. Today I'm Jeff from Cuba. Good to be here. This is great. You, I tell you what, fabulous studio, by the way. And love the green room. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And, I don't, and how are the cold cuts? Go oh, ahead. good. And the masseuse Inga, is it? Whatever you pay her, it's not enough. She's fabulous. Uh, it's actually she, Larry. Larry, <laughs> really? like we had him wear the Inga wig today. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Magic hands on that. <laughs> and that's why we came in there and got you before the happy ending because yeah, that was okay. you know, too difficult to explain later. We should say that uh, Jeff is here today because uh, Steve Spears refuses to mention his name on the show. That's right. And so Jeff had to fly all the way up here from Guantanamo Bay just to get a little love from us. Emails, letters. I swear to God. Telegraphs. The email server is eating everything from Guantanamo Bay. Well, you know, because <laughs> you know, email is a complicated thing. So I know. I mean, it's, and it's not like you're, say, the online editor of a major metropolitan <laughs> newspaper and we'll be able to figure that out. 
Jeez. Anyway, so you this no is, love today. Spears has been talking about this show for a long time. We figured you're coming up here to see us. We're about to go to a baseball game after doing this. But first, the Red Scare movies of the 1980s, something you feel very passionately about. I do. I do. I, as a card-carrying member of... Uh, <laughs> of what? A card-carrying <laughs> member party? of the United States military, certainly in joining up during those uh, heady years of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, that was a big part. And, and these are those movies that are so of their time. To watch them now, uh, they just don't resonate. You know, a really good Red Scare movie, you needed to see back when there was a Red Scare. Let's set the ground rules for a Red Scare movie. What does a Red Scare movie have to have? Element number one. Red Scare movie must have reds. Reds. <laughs> must have reds. Communists. Well, Russians are good. Uh, Cubans will work in a pinch. But communists are a requirement. Number two. Red Scare movie must have a scare so those communists those communists need to be threatening the very way of life that we hold so dear in some symbolic or more direct way uh, and finally a really good red scare movie must end with the good guys winning but not just winning in the traditional world war ii movie way of bang bang we kill more of them and we win but also winning over the minds of the communists and they suddenly have that epiphany and say Oh, no, 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 I see now. That's, communism is bad. We should all change our ways and and be not as much communist anymore. That is what defines a Red Scare, that, that we are so right that not only will we win, but we will just sway everyone with the power of our ideology. So what you're saying is Rocky Four is the ultimate Red Scare no, movie. See, no, no. I must break you. Don't even start. Don't even start. Well, what's your favorite Red Scare movie then? Oh, I will tell you right now. Red Scare movies in the 80s, the list starts and stops with Red Dawn. The most overrated piece of crap ever. Now, I'm not saying that it's fabulous filmmaking. (laughs) I'm not saying that we should be sitting down at the USC's film school dissecting Red Dawn. I'm just saying that within the limited confines of Red Scare movies... It's all about Red Dawn. Red Dawn has got it all. It's got reds. It's got scares. And at the end, not only do we win, but we win the hearts and minds. Classic movie. I want to say that Red Dawn probably one of the few movies, one of the few Red Scare movies that will make you cry, even as a man. Correct, Rocky, Rocky Four makes me cry. Does I'll it? tell you that right now. It's such a a, oh, yeah. It's just such a horrible piece of crap. <laughs> no. Yeah. The very end when... Uh, when uh, what is it? Swayze's carrying his brother away, right? And right. Uh, the uh, communist, the Cuban leader, comes out, right? Cuban, the Cuban colonels got him in his sights. Could plug him, him right up. there. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do it because he recognizes in them that independent spirit, that fire of the revolutionary that uh, resonates with him as a Cuban freedom fighter. See, that's it. That's where we win him over. That's where we win the battle of the hearts and minds. Now, as someone who actually is staring down the uh, the working end of a a communist made weapon from, on a day to day basis, you well, I thought have... you're talking about daily. Yeah, okay. yeah I was, <laughs> I was, is this question for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you have any less? I mean, does that does that movie mean more to you because it involves the Cubans? Well, you know, bear in mind when the movie came out uh, uh, back in was eighty five. Um, I was eighty four. Eighty four. Eighty four. Uh, I was in college uh, at, at Colorado State, and I went to high school in Colorado. Um, so a movie that comes out that stars 
you know, go nowhere slacker Colorado high school students was surprisingly popular with uh, go nowhere slacker Colorado high school students. So everyone around where I was uh, was you know going crazy uh, over Red Dawn. Uh, but back then, there was still a credible fear that maybe the Russians would get a little sporty and, and try something, uh, take a poke at us. Uh, uh, you know, that's really what sort of fired uh, those Reaganite years. And uh, so it was, it, was, it was unsettling to think uh, about that happening right there in what was literally, you know, my backyard. Uh, so that movie really hit me then. And back then, I had no clue I was ever going to be in the military. I'm pretty sure the military had no clue I was ever going to be in the military or they would have done something about it. But uh, it was... Uh, was there much screaming of Wolverines? Every, if, if I had a dime for every you know, fist that was shoved out of the T-top of a Camaro as it drove past the campus at Colorado State, Wolverines! Oh, it's just... It's just it, you know, first of all, if there's a Wolverine anywhere in the state of Colorado, I've never seen it. So I'm not even sure where they get where they get uh, that particular uh, vision, uh, but it was just because here's the deal. I understand that the script was based on some fairly credible uh, National Defense University research on vulnerabilities that the United States had from the South, uh, you know, coming up through the Mexican border. Because you know we've since found out what an impenetrable bulwark that is <laughs> at the South part of the country. All that hate's gonna burn you up, kid. Keeps me warm. But nonetheless, the script treatment, it reads like, you know, a couple of guys sitting by the creek drinking Mickey's Big Mouse. Like, dude, you know what? Like, if the Russians were to invade, like, oh, my parents, they'd totally be pussies and they'd be captured. But, hi, oh, man, I'd go up into the hills and uh, I'd kick their ass. And, oh, yeah, man, I'd go, we, they, we, we'd, we'd get guns and stuff. And, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Write that down. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, it's, it's, it's nothing but the, you know, the fantasies of, a, uh, of an 80s high school student on how they could personally bring down the, the, the Russians. Because every adult on the U.S. side in that movie is essentially just a whimpering, simpering uh, syncophant. Yeah. Think about it. What? Uh, Harry Dean Stanton? Boys! Avenge me! Avenge me! Avenge me. How about avenging yourself there, Harry Dean? Powers Booth? Powers Booth is an interesting is an is an interesting character there because he is essentially uh a, well, he's an eagle driver, an F fifteen pilot who gets shot out of the sky. There's a good role model for you, kids. Uh and what is what does he do with his uh with his newfound charges? Gets them all killed. Come on, buddies, come and get them. Shoot straight. Once you army pukes. Interesting uh, bit of trivia here. In the uh, when they filmed the movie back in eighty four, there was actually a love scene between Powers Booth and uh, Patrick Swayze. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but the homoerotic edge was too much for. Yeah, them. no, we'll get to that in a minute. Powers Booth and Leah Thompson have a love scene in the movie where she basically laments the fact that she's going to die without having made love, and so they disappear behind a rock and go at it. Sort of how uh, you and the favorite fiance did on Friday night. <laughs> and then uh, it was cut because they thought, well, inappropriate you know, for a 16-year-old to be having sex with a, a 35-year-old. Uh, well, you're saying that is inappropriate? I guess. Let's <laughs> be clear. But anyway, I'm telling you what. I wish I had really? known that. I wish I had known that. <laughs> but uh, it, it, does explain some of, it does explain the fact that when you're watching the movie and suddenly she 
starts acting all goopy towards him halfway through the movie, that's the reason. It's because they've they've cut out that scene that explains why she's suddenly all whacked well, out. And I'll tell you what, that's him. an interesting place to draw that line because Red Dawn is the first movie released under the PG thirteen banner yeah. is arguably one of the most nonstop violent movies ever made. Yeah. And that's I think they were taking advantage of that uh, that new rating to say, look, you know, as long as we go light on the the sex and the nudity, we can be as violent as we want to right. be. And that movie, I don't think 90 seconds goes by in that movie if without you, uh, someone getting gutted, popped, eviscerated. Yeah. That's fine, but showing Powers Booth's wang. Yeah, showing, pow- showing pow- you know, implying that Powers Booth, you know, may be uh, taking a soon-to-be-dead teenager behind a rock is, yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> However, showing, showing said teenager die, not so bad. Yeah. If you get the special edition DVD of uh, Red Dawn, it actually has one of the features is a, a corpse-o-meter. That will keep a running count of the dead as the movie goes. Uh, it's kind of a nice feature when you're sitting home at night alone with wild turkey. You really got to get out more, my friend. <laughs> is there a doctor in the building? Spears' his corpse meter. Great. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. And what's amazing, there's a, there's a life meter on the other side, which goes down just as fast. <laughs> God. I love uh, Red Dawn. Originally titled Ten Soldiers, the very first movie for Charlie Sheen. Everybody else in this movie uh, has already made a movie. Swayze, uh, Jennifer Grey, who uh, were teamed up. They actually hated each other for, for most of Red Dawn. Who did? Uh, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey did not get along. So it's kind of ironic that they would team up, I think, three years to later. To make movie magic. Movie magic? Go back to your playpen, baby. I've never seen Dirty Dancing, actually. I was going to say, once you've seen it, you'd know it's not <laughs> movie magic. I'm not a big fan, but uh, they fought during this movie. They didn't like each other. Leah Thompson had already made all the right moves. Dirty Dancing, not a Red Scare movie. No, just regular scary. Scary. Yeah. Over most overrated movie of the '80s, I would say. What Dirty Dancing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly, clearly. Wow, finally an ally. I remember Natalie Diffenbaugh though. I remember she saw, uh, in the whole courting process, she saw Dirty Dancing, and she came back. After saying, she's like, it makes me want to, uh. I was like, all right. Uh, now, Sean Daly has his own pick for a favorite uh, Red Scare movie. What is it, Sean? Uh, mine is Spies Like Us, Steve. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's a dick for. What's a dick for? To pee with. Spies Like Us, fabulous, fabulous. A fine documentary of what made <laughs> what made the communist threat so visceral. <laughs> doctor? doctor? Doctor. 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 I like Spies uh, Like Us so much, I actually had the 45 of the crappy Paul McCartney theme song. How about that, that's, Jeff and Cuba? That's very impressive. That's uh, one of the... Uh, not a great movie either. No, not, not, not a great movie, but it does... Ping on some of those good Red Scare themes. And one of the funniest scenes in the 80s, is if you want to take that little scene, is uh, Chevy Chase taking the exam. <laughs> and his different ways of cheating, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. Did that resonate with you there, my yeah, friend? Did that, it did, it did. Uh, that ring true for you? I still, think, I still think it's one of those movies that starts out hilarious, and then by halfway through, you're just like, oh, God, when's this going to end? It's uh, it, A whimsical cameo from Bob Hope. His last film appearance. Really? Yep. That's sad. Rest it was sort of a man. homage to the fact that it was because the movie itself is kind of a rip off of the of the of his you know road movies they did with Bing Crosby. So, so uh, it was it would prove to be his last film appearance. Sadly, 
wow, you're so forlorn about that. And once again, yet another movie that I cry at the end of. When you were in the military, did Bob Hope ever come and, and entertain you? You know, it's, uh, by the time I showed up, Bob Hope had really kind of come off the road. Uh, I did, however, uh, run into uh, Johnny Grant. You know, and I'm getting stares from you guys. You don't know who Johnny Grant is. Johnny was uh, Eddie's brother. No, Johnny was the honorary mayor of Hollywood. Johnny ran the uh, Star of Fame uh, process out on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, and he was a USO crony of uh, of Bob Hope's. He made a couple visits out to Guantanamo Bay. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, Johnny Grant, cricket, cricket. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Although I will say this, uh, when he would, uh, we would kind of shove him out with some of the, the younger troops, and they, they had vague notions of Bob Hope. They had no idea who this guy was. But he had some good old Hollywood stories uh, that, you know, hit on those themes that oh, uh, yeah. military guys love of, you know, big buxom women and... Uh, military guys. You know, and drinking and... Uh, uh, and th- eventually there would be just concentric circles of kids uh, around this uh, 88-year-old guy uh, listening to his stories. Now, uh, sadly, Johnny passed away about uh, he's about two, three months after the last time we saw him out in uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay. He came out for our Christmas parade. That's, uh, that's when Stephanie Powers came out. Johnny Stephanie brought pa- nice. Stephanie Powers out. What to- is uh, the guy saying heart-to-heart about Stephanie Powers? She's gorgeous. <laughs> Doesn't Max say yeah. something? Sorry. And by the way, Right on the money, she is. She's, is she? she's a classic, classic beauty, uh, even in her sixties. So, no, that uh, that sense of, of the USO is still out there. Although Wayne Newton, who has notionally inherited Bob Hope's mantle, nah, that's trading down right there. It's, that's well, here's not the working. thing: uh, the fur fiance and I saw uh, Wayne Newton at Dover. He was up like Dover slots, Dover, Delaware. He was opening this hotel, and he came on, and we had the best two hours. Now Wayne Newton, you know, he has somebody singing his fills for him because he's like, you know, when he tries to, to <laughs> sing, like it's just like he's gargling uh, tacks, you know. So there's like a guy behind there like singing all his fills, but um, at the end, of course, he did the. Uh, he's like, guys, I know we're having a good time, but. I want to say something about our soldiers, you know, and like, wasn't a dry eye in the house, Spearsy, the great Wayne Newton, ladies uh, and gentlemen. That's that's. Eh, but I'll tell you what, uh, we get uh, you know get a handful of acts who come down to Guantanamo Bay, and really anybody who's you know going to get it together to get on a plane and drag themselves down to the back end of a communist country uh, to put on a show, we'll we'll support that. You we'll, got Night Ranger right? behind that. Twenty four hours after we had him, you had him. There you go. And uh, so, uh, and everybody, and everybody came out, uh, whether or not they were big Night Ranger fans or not, because hey, someone has someone has made the effort, and uh, we respond to that. Did so, they do? You can still rock in America. You can still you can still rock in America in a communist country. Oh, that, that, was, so that was that was sweet. Well, Spears, let's get back on track here. What is your favorite Red Scare movie? I feel bad because I'm going to take a movie that I know Jeff's going to zing because it doesn't meet some of the qualifications. But I'm taking my favorite, Top Gun. I don't know. It just uh, just doesn't seem fair. For you, I mean. But uh, she's lost that love and feeling. She's lost... No, she hasn't. Yes, she has. She has not lost that love... Because she's lost it, Matt. Come on. I hate it when she does that. Well, now, now, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Top Gun is always going to be high on any Navy man's lists of, of great movies. And, and 
and whether this is a coincidence or not, I'll let I'll let uh, you be the judge. But Top Gun was released in May of '86, and I would say within ten days, I was uh, in the Navy. Oh, oh, good uh, little reveal uh, there, uh, Jeff. No, 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 and and that was uh, uh, and I, I don't know when I saw it was about just about the time that I signed on the dotted line that uh, that I saw Top Gun. Uh, and I'm not going to say that that's why I joined the Navy. I can certainly say that uh, uh, not a bad recruiting tool. That little film. It was uh, the more the the planes or the Kelly McGillis. Uh, more the planes, actually, okay. than Kelly. Nothing. What do you think of my Kelly McGillis impression? Yeah, that's pretty much why it was more the planes. <laughs> I'm now that impact is now going to affect retroactively into my memories. Thanks for that. Here's a fun little tidbit. Steve loves Top Gun so much that he demanded that we all do this podcast with our shirts off. Like the famous volleyball scene. Oh, yeah. I knew that was coming. I the knew volleyball that. scene. It's the one. That. You guys are much more here suits than I am. Yeah. Here's the deal. You know that in the original script, uh, in that scene, it called for the guys to uh, sit around in a big pink tent, painting their nails and watching <laughs> Judy Garland videos. But then they decided that that just wasn't gay enough. <laughs> so they went with this. And 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 I know, you know, my wife Harriet is saying, you know, hey, 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 that's the best part of the movie for the ladies because, you know, a lot of eye candy there. And when it comes to eye candy, Tom Cruise is pretty much the, like, the licorice piece that's the last one rattling around in the box that nobody wants. So she's like, oh, no, no, that's... Which be and I'll buy that, but you know what? If that's that, then how about you put a couple of females in that scene on the sidelines clapping? Yeah, you you put nice. put a couple of nurses the in there, ooh and on, and right. that scene is not nearly as right. creepy. The the O Club is full of women, and yet the volleyball game sadly devoid of women. There you go. But uh, Top Gun, directed by Tony Scott, the brother of uh, Ridley Scott, he envisioned Apocalypse Now on an aircraft carrier. Really? What happened to that vision, exactly? Uh, Hollywood shut it down. So he said, no, no, what I really meant was rock and roll stars as fighter pilots. And they're like, aha, now you've got it. Aha! Uh, Scott was actually fired three times during the making of this movie before he could finish it. Once, for the beginning sequence, you know, where the the slow-mo with the heavy filters on the carrier deck before they start launching the planes. Uh, Hollywood didn't like that, fired him. Uh, Once, because he allegedly made Kelly McGillis too good-looking... They wanted her to be more um, uh, down home, not quite so slutty. Really? I didn't think she was slutty at all. No, I can't. Maybe and, the and, only time in history that a Hollywood producer has walked around saying, yeah, you know, it's just too slutty. <laughs> it's too slutty. just too slutty. If we just raise that neckline a little bit, that'd be nice. And then one time also fired because he was shooting all the scenes uh, with the visors down on the pilot so you couldn't see their faces. No, no, ma'am. This is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose. But it's time to buzz the tower. Tell you what. Now, you're not going to find many folks in the Navy who don't enjoy Top Gun, but there are certain, uh, certain theatrical licenses there that were taken that just, just bug me. Uh, number one, uh, I got a lot of friends who are uh, naval flight officers, you know, the backseaters. Uh, and the way the, uh, the radar intercept officers, the, the Rios, are portrayed in these movies, here's the story. The F-14 has got two seats. And it has two seats because it takes two people to operate this incredibly complex weapons platform. The second seat is not there so that the pilot can have a cheerleader to sit in the back going, all right, Mav, go, Mav. Do that pilot stuff, Mav. He's over there. Where'd he go? Ah, what are you doing? That's, first of all, how annoying would that be? I mean, what if I would like, come like, pull up a chair behind you daily and just sit there? Come on, Sean. Do that writing stuff. Go, go. No, man, no. 
No, like, the simile's too weak. Switch the metaphor. That's like working with Spears. See, so and that so, you know, so every every NFO I know just gets torqued when they see how the backseaters are treated in that movie. Uh, number two, the whole climactic uh, battle there at the end, which is some fine filmmaking and, and it's very high energy. Uh, when an aircraft carrier deploys to problematic areas of the world, they bring all the pilots they need. Yeah, they do not have to send telegraphs to cocktail parties in San Diego saying, help, we need three more pilots, please. But, but could they telegraph the cocktail party if they still wanted to, just to kind of like screw it to people back home? Yeah, yeah, they could, yeah, like, you know, people's cell phones and text, you know, get a text. Ah, oh, look, I got to go fight the commies. <laughs> so, so uh, and then the one that really gets me, and then it's just because I'm like an engineer type guy, is, you know, the battle's on, the bad guys are coming. So, you know, the commander of the air group looks over and says, launch those fighters. And some, some little Tweety guy goes over and goes, oh, the catapult's broken. <laughs> we, can't, we, can't, we can't launch any aircraft because the catapult's broken. Let me be clear here. An American nuclear aircraft carrier is not the copier in the office <laughs> that breaks and everyone stands around shrugging their shoulders and rolling their eyes like, ah, oh, it's broken. <laughs> it's always broken. Right, it's a comprehensive weapons system with lots of durability, a comprehensive preventive maintenance system, and people whose lives are dedicated to the fact that it's not going to break when the shooting starts. That part just gets me. And what, of course, what happens with capital folks? Everybody just slaps their head like they could have had a V eight, and well, hope that works out okay. That's just that just drives me nuts. Um, but now, and then also point out that. Not really a Red Scare movie, because are those Russians they're fighting against? No. They got those red stars on the side of their plane. Yeah, and, and you know, not a, nary a line spoken by the enemy in this movie. They're quiet. They're, they're quiet. They're, they've got that Stealth. visor, I want that my visor Russian, down. I want my Russians to be like that. I want them to keep their yaps shut. I want them to fly their planes. I want them to have dark visors. And uh, I want them to be easily intimidated by just flipping a middle finger at them. That's yeah. how I like my Russians. I don't like them like uh, like uh, Daly's little. Sure, serve comic me my thing. borscht and shut the hell up, Pinko. I actually like borscht. <laughs> don't even start with me on that. Of course, that. you, you baited it. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> Aha! By the sound of the tone, it must be time for reader mailbag. Hey, it's the segment where Sean Daly picks out his favorite email of the week. And butchers it for the rest of the audience. Go for it, buddy. <laughs> we have a good one this week, my friend, from Mark Carrier in Ottawa, Canada. Are you ready? Fire away. Hey, Steve and Sean. I wanted to express how much I enjoy your show and blog. Because of your show, I picked up a copy of Valley Girl last month and saw it for the first time. I enjoyed the movie. I also picked up a copy of Hard to Hold. Mm, didn't enjoy the movie all that much, but the performance of Love Somebody at the end was worth it. All right, now here's the really good part of the letter. You ready? Just Just had to share this. On your blog a few weeks back, you asked about earworms you can't shake. For me, it's a line from your very own Sean Daly. And it's not his mama, no, that stuck with me. The clip comes from episode number 28, the great mixtape episode. Not only did I find this story extremely funny (laughs) and disturbing at the same time, Sean painted the perfect picture that I have not been able to shake for months. 
Sean was telling us of how a former girlfriend, Natalie, made an audio tape of her and Sean doing the nasty without Sean knowing about it. Sean eventually listens to the tape and hears himself say, Does baby like that? That line has been stuck with me for months. Ah! How do I get it out of my head? The A-Team theme song can't get it out. I know this is not what you had in mind when asking for an earworm, but man, this has to qualify as one. A fan from your neighbor to the north, Mark Carrier, Ottawa, Canada. Nice. We haven't heard from Canada in a while. Does baby like that? Oh, stop. Just uh, stop. Psh, psh, psh. There was spanking involved, wasn't there, in that same spot? There's all sorts of stuff involved. Now, this isn't the one... I so thought, the other night, the former fiance seduces me, you know? Yeah. I'll tell that story. I love this story. <laughs> I, 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 we go out to a nice dinner, and we come back home, and uh, I'm watching some of the Rays game, and, and the, the FF kind of goes back in, into the boudoir, you know? And, she, and all of a sudden, she's like, you know, Sean, could you come back here for a second? And I go back there, and it's like a freaking seance. It's like the uh, wrapped around your finger video. There's like 400 candles. This place is about to go up. And then she seduced me. And I, I did a little bit of the hover, dance the seven buttons. Nice. Yeah. Nudity and hot wax, always a winning combination. <laughs> did, you take, did you take a break halfway through, though, to go back and see if the, what the score was? <laughs> you know what I know? I just launched the loogie across the floor. Nice. I, I caught it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I, just did, keep, I keep it with me in case you need it later. Like after, after our romance, I'm like, hey, let me go get you a, a bottle of water. And she's like, you're going to check the race score. I'm like, no, baby, no. And then, you know, I'm trying to keep the volume down out there. Uh, hold on, I just want to chill your water a little bit longer. Anyway, there you go. That's pathetic. There you go. Great letter, Mark Carrier. As always, you can send your emails to stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, it's the segment where we play a clip of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, munchos. Funyuns. Uh, don't do that. Pringles. F you and your munchos. And I, I don't mind the Pringle, but it's not a, a whimsical funny snack. <laughs> it could be. Like the Funyun. Easier to sign. Anyway, pay attention. Here was last week's mystery clip. Yabiko. Bana. Ah, uh, Commander Jeff knows it. Yeah, you know, tribes in New Guinea know this. I could go into their mud hut and make them listen to this, and they would say, hey, man, that's 48 hours. Everybody knows 48 hours. I know. Just haven't used it yet. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to make a case that 48 Hours is not the best Eddie Murphy movie. I'm going to stick with Coming to America. I would put... What? I, uh, I would, are we really going to do that now? <laughs> That's like a three-hour show. I just wanted to get your goat. Sorry. All right, sorry. You did. Look, I got it upset. You see I know. That? Look at that. This is disgust on your face. Anyway, some of the winners this week include the man known only as Rowan. And by the way, he signs his emails that way now. <laughs> and Sherry Williams from right here in Tampa Bay, who writes I us. Love Sherry Williams. No, I all love, love Sherry. Yep. I got, and I'll take Sherry's letter. Since, Go ahead. Uh, well, since Sean won't. Anyway. <laughs> no, but you're making it sound like I don't want to take Sherry's letter. I want you. I love your voice. You have a great voice. I'm falling in love with you all over again. Read the letter. All right. Hey, Steve and Sean, this week's MMM is 48 hours. Hopefully, that will score me some sort of fabulous prize. Though being called a wiener on the podcast would clearly be prize enough. Thanks to a wasted youth as a teenage popcorn flinger at a Clearwater movie theater, I have a fairly high success rate on the MMMs. The minimum wage job did at least offer free movies, so I saw nearly every film released in the mid to late 80s, many of them 
over and over. I also have a suggestion for the new official stuck-in-the-80s snack food should Funyuns fall out of favor. One word, bugles. Nice. The tasty little corn horns rock, particularly when filled with copious amounts of French onion dip. Yum. Thanks for the great podcast. I love listening to them all. Can I just point out how creepy it is? How snack foods gets all anthropomorphized here in the podcast, and <laughs> they are snack foods. Anyway, Sherry, fabulous letter, uh, and I also knew it was forty-eight hours, and I did not send in a response because I send responses and they get ignored. Have we covered that? I think we covered that before. <laughs> um, but because Sherry was uh, not ignored, and because she did pick the right hour, we have a fabulous prize for Sherry. Do we not, Steve? Yeah, you brought uh, some special swag from Gitmo. And Sherry, you will be the proud owner of the coveted Radio Gitmo t-shirt. I have one in black. I love it. Mine has like eight X's. You'll be thrilled to hear you will not be getting Sean's (laughs) Radio Gitmo t-shirt. It's a, a, uh, whatever that is, Octo X. Yeah. But uh, and we'll we'll throw a couple more of those in the prize vault for later. So, uh, So hang in there. There is more to your prize winning future than just snack foods. Can I say uh, one thing real quick? Thanks, Sherry. I love the suggestion. It will not be Bugles. Why not? This is a, It's an epic story that I'll tell on another show. Oh, I know that you story. You know the story. But I once found a dead rat in uh, my basement apartment in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, when I went to dispose, it was right under my CDs. I had to move all like the CD table out of the way, and I, I put on oven mitts, and I got salad tongs. And when I went, wait, I, that, wait, oven mitts and salad tongs. Yeah, could you? Yeah. Could you afraid that something would like someone crawl no, up the tongs no, under on. your exposed that, exactly. flesh? Exactly. Thank you for that lead-in <laughs> because as I approached the rat, and I, there was like tears in my eyes. I'm like, I noticed that it's bubbling. The rat is moving. And I go down to pick it up, and I grab my tail, and the rat splits open. Like a baked potato. And not only does the smell of death waft out, but maggots the size of bugle snacks look like moving bugles are coming at me. They're giant. They look like little bugles. And I go to pick them up with my oven, oven mitts, and the bugle maggots are popping in my fingers. Oh, God. And you know what? I just had an exterminator at my house here, and I told him that story, you know, and he said the same thing happened to him once, but he had a respirator on, and he vomited in his respirator, and I'm like, you vomited, but I didn't. I kept it in as I was, maggots pop at bugles. So every time you eat bugles, I want you to think of giant... You know, though... And I didn't know how to kill him, so I went, I didn't have any, like, like maggot poison, so I got Comet... (laughs) I thought that way we're gonna sprinkle common on, but that just pissed them off even more. So now they were like super strength bugle sized maggots and super clean, <laughs> really clean. So it smelled anyway, nice. So it will not be bugles. I love the fact that she calls them corn horns, and I think that should have been your call sign. Corn horn and corn beat horns, boy. corn horn, corn horn and beat boy. I rented that once. Yeah, I did, but you did, big boy. You guys, you guys would be first at the volleyball court with names like corn horn <laughs> and beat boy. Playing with the boys. Can you see, get a little more lotion on my back? Yeah, that's it. Rub Mm. it in nice and deep like. (laughs) Summer. (laughs) Hey, pay attention. Here is this week's mystery movie moment. No, dear, I'm not a chicken. I'm an emu. That's emu. E-M-U. I throw it to you, Jeff. No clue. No clue. And even if I had a clue, I wouldn't tell you. You 
ignoring, self-centered, solipsistic There's a lot loser. of hatred. A lot of hatred going on in this show. No, I'm not feeling it. Anyway, if you know the name of the movie, email us at stuckinitties at tampabay.com because even Commander Jeff is ready to call you Akil Basa. <laughs> Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Name That 80s Tune. Hey, it's the weekly segment where I play a snippet of the song from the 80s. And if you can name it, Cornhorns are all yours. It may be just signed by myself. And a vomit bag from Sean. How about that? You like we that? We can't do bugles, dude. You've heard my bugles, bugles maggot story before. I make a real tasty dip for bugles, by the way. You'll have to, sh- have to show it to you the sometime. The fact that you're a, you, you cook a lot kind of creeps me out. I, I, w- it- I would just take a terrarium full of large, shiny, clean maggots. <laughs> It'd be a nice little... Uh, I thought yeah. the comet might at least freak them out, but it just pissed them off even Scrubbing more. Scrubbing bubbles, my friend. Scrubbing bubbles. I threw, out bo- I threw out the oven mitts and the salad tongs. Good. Good. Good move. Yeah. Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery clip. Sean Daly, hit me. No idea. Jeff? Nope, nope, nope. Stumped. Alone by hearts. The Steve theme song. Yeah. No, because, and I'll grant you alone, obviously, an 80s tune, but Heart, not an 80s band. Heart's a 70s band. Uh, you with me on this one, SD? I am. I, I am. loved my interview with Nancy Wilson. I love Nancy Wilson. <laughs> we had a lot of winners this week. We had uh, Don Leach, uh, Ian in Connecticut, Rosa in Kansas, Giblet Croft. Giblet! Giblet. A female. A female. From Studio <laughs> City, California. Studio City, California. So all, that's right. So all you male giblets, don't write in. Don't even start. Stan Samuels, Jonathan Bowering, and the man known only as Country P. Country P! <laughs> Country I P. I don't understand all the student names, but you know, I respect their privacy. Pay attention. Here is this week's mystery clip. Anybody? No, I, 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 I refuse to play. I'm, on, I'm boycotting. <laughs> I'll let you pick the song this week. How's that? All right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, fine. <laughs> we'll yeah, get you interested again. Yeah, yeah, Daily? Yeah. No idea. If you know it, email us at stuckinitties at tampabay.com. Because once again, it takes a Navy man to call you a processed meat tube. The air attack warning sounds like... Hello, my friends. It's Miguel Duarte calling you. And I'm calling you to wish you, Steve, and all the Stuck in the 80s family a good trip to Vegas. Because as you know, at this point, I won't be able to join you. In my case, it would work. So... You know, no wingman for you, Steve. You know, you'll have to do all your work. I am so sorry. <laughs> anyway, have a drink for me, Steve. And, um, you know, pay all the family a round of drinks. You know, say it's on me. You know, let me have the credit for it. You know, I'll pay my debt when I see you someday. Enjoy your trip, you know, while Miguel is working here in Lisbon. But although working here, my mind will be with you guys in Vegas, stuck in the 80s. Ah, great fan greeting. We don't awesome get enough of those. Fan Do not get enough of those. Hey, go to our blog, blogs.tampa.com, and uh, you can find the toll-free number there and call us about that. That's always a good idea. Final segment, guys. You got the energy for it? 
I'm in. Bring I'm in. It. I've been pacing myself. We've all mentioned our three favorite uh, Red Scare movies, but there's a lot more. And we're not going to go into detail on them, but we just want to mention them. 1985, a little gem called Gotcha with Anthony Edwards and uh, your favorite sex puppet, Linda Fiorentino. I do love uh, that. Do, do, do your imitation of her. You look really good in that unitard, Loudon. <laughs> nice. That's why Linda Fiorentino. I'm so glad would. Have you seen um, The Last Seduction? You ever seen that? Oh, she's hot in that. Oh, is there a movie she's not hot in? Jade, love it. What? She's good in Jade. Yeah, I the, like those, uh, stri- those uh, high heels that kind of go around the ankle. Those God, stop it. Things. Focus. Focus. <laughs> White Knights would be another great Red Scare movie, right? Say you, say Spearsy. Yes, yes. I interviewed the great Taylor Hackford. Helen Mirren, hot or not? Hot. Clearly. Clearly. In that movie, hot. I still think she's hot. Huh? I saw her in a bikini the other day. Yeah, really? she was on the on the internet. She yeah. sounds pretty good. She looks, for she looks good. Sixty something that she is now. Didn't she just play the queen though in that so movie? So what? Queen, hot, hot or not? Hot or not? Yeah. I'm, Who I'm, would you rather? Royalty turns me on. <laughs> That's good. Here's a tattoo for you. <laughs> and of course, uh, can I give you my favorite? Firefox. Oh, oh terrible. Oh, don't oh, even just, start. Oh, please. Cinematic sleeper hole. You will, of course, not get to where you're going, Mr. Gant. I love Firefox. No, that's one of those with, where all the Russians sound like they're about to say moose and squirrel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad accents, and then it's just, ugh, just poorly A little poorly trivia conceived. about that movie. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me throw out my another Anthony Edwards uh Red Scare movie, that'd be Miracle Mile. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, devilishly dark. Dark, dark, dark. Uh, Mayor Winningham, Anthony Edwards. Um, just disturbing. Very disturbing movie. Makes Schindler's List seem like Weekend at Bernie's. It is very, <laughs> very dark. Oh, man. Hey, that's all we got for you this week. The Red Scare movies, sadly, have uh, gone by, even though there's talk now of Red Dawn being remade. Blasphemous, blasphemous, and you can't. I'm you telling can't you right now. Remake Red Dawn. All yeah, these, re- all these Red Scare movies are so of their time. No, and uh, and a couple of things come to mind. Number one, as a g- graduate of Columbine High School, the thought of heavily armed Colorado high school students not as funny anymore as it was back Did then. You really go to Columbine? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and the other thing, you know, the thought of being attacked on U.S. soil now that it's already happened. Not funny, also, man. not not really entertaining. So I, I don't see how you can remake Red Dawn. No. You can make a sequel. I I, I got a couple I'm of okay script treatments in my mind about about a Red Dawn sequel in the post nine eleven world that might uh, might have some legs. But you can't just remake a Red Scare no. movie when there's no more Red Scare. Exactly. Point well made, Sean Daly. Of no help or use today whatsoever. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm about to buy you guys a beer at a baseball game. Come on, wrap scary. it up. Yeah, okay, so until then, until we have to sit through this painful Red Dawn massacre of a remake, we remain here firmly stuck in the 80s. In the early days of World War III, gorillas, mostly children, placed the names of their lost upon this rock. They fought here alone and gave up their lives so that this nation shall not perish from the earth. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. 
Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. <laughs>